Peter Hill Explains, where I invite you to join the science teaching conversation with me about... Yet another episode in the reading of Psychosis from Wikipedia. Um, Now, on this, we've uh, just got into the uh, origin of the word psychosis, which means a disruption of the soul as opposed to neurosis, which is a more physical thing, disruption of the neurological pathways. But even in psychosis, there is uh, these sort of different levels of it, of what is what is an incorrect soul, and you you select what are correct souls or psyches, and from that you you see what's incorrect. Now the whole bunch can be incorrect, so that's a, a normative um, psychosis. Everyone can be uh, wrong, or there can be individuals. There can be diseases, trauma, um, brain damage. Uh, basically the entire processing system. Now, as far as I can see, um, uh, you become a bit psychotic in sleep. The, the reality, uh, in order to address reality, you go so far and then you sleep and you have dreams and collective cultural experience, cultural songs and stuff like that. So, I, I, th- I think people are very... Um, uh, wanting to put labels on people that they're psychotic in order to control them or to create a, a, a system feeling that if you've got a slightly different reality you feel bad. Now that, that's not so, so so bad in terms of th- that you're say driving a car your version of reality has to be normed your version of reality has to be the road rules going through. So society has this process but people can often hijack that and with their own agenda so they all create a series of rules that um, you know you, you you buy fish and chips on Friday night or, or whatever you create a set of rules and behaviors and uh, responses so uh, the idea of identifying someone as psychotic is part of a process in going on to if you don't really think about it if you don't think to treat them it's you if you don't treat them you punish them so it's interesting to see how this so psyche is the soul um and which is rather strange so you've got psychology which is the uh, study of the human soul soul basically um which is got sort of somehow we've got a scientific aspect to it. So it used to be the area preserve of the souls, the um, of churches and religion. Now it's across here, which is rather an interesting aspect. Now, uh, this entire idea of um, people think uh, to be properly, your know, proper uh, definition of reality is not to imagine unreality and so there's uh, this line where you become uh, people who are concerned about insecure about imagination will have this this world very clinical mechanical process driven world where science is in actual fact um, induction it's about imagining the impossible but then doing quality control to see if that imagine to understand so so science itself induction is gaining an understanding of um your limitations i think 
it's a, it's a quality control. So people can often do quality control. They can do safe driving by sitting in a seat and never driving. Uh, so so science has really uh, got this aspect. So it's also very in uh, interesting to see um, how this plays out. Uh, this series of starting conditions, psychology and, and behaviour plays out with different levels of intelligence. So if you've got someone who's not very intelligent, they're not going to, I'm not saying there's any worse, but they will not be able to imagine, construct, they'll not be able to play in this psychological s space very deeply or directly or invest in it. Yeah, like if you... Uh, don't understand finance, you're not going to be able to manage share money. It's sort of like the stock market. The stock market is essentially irrational, but if you've got sufficient capital resources, strategies, and uh, the abilities all set up, you can then therefore invest. If you don't have those strategies, um, you, you can't invest and you can't develop and the stock market seems to be a building and other people seem to be making money out of it and you sort of resent it. And, and so similarly, the uh, sort of psychological dream state that everyone goes into, which is the, the music, the stories, the culture, uh, the planning for the future, if you can't do that, it seems that it's, it seems very odd. You can enjoy the little bits, the throw-offs, but you can't. You can't participate in it and often I think a lot of people mistake their limitations that they personally have by placing their limitations on other people and other situations but uh, getting back to it now I should say yesterday I um, just ran out of energy did was able to do a quarter of an hour of podcast before the actual energy absolutely disappeared and I had uh, been doing a lot of other rehab stuff. Um, this is a good five kilometre walk carrying three kilogram weights in every in, in every arm. I've only got two arms, so it's two uh, three kilogram weights. But that is really it's, it's hard to, to see. But there is this relationship between um, doing new tasks or doing new exercises. Uh, and fatigue uh, it comes across, and this is why I'm doing these these podcasts to actually build up the uh, the tension, or oh, the tension, <laughs> the tension in the reader. What, what am I going to say next? Um, uh, so, what I, what I want to do is, um, I just want to read this sentence. I'm sure I may have read it yesterday because I've clipped, clipped here. At the time, neurosis meant a disease of the nervous system, and Karnstadt was thus referring to what was considered a psychological manifestation of brain de disease. Ernest von Freuterleben is widely uh, credited at introducing the term in 1845. Uh, Freud, so a lot of the um, psychology came from, um, this neurology came from Freud looking at these Neurologic, what looked like neurological symptoms in um, hysteresis um, area in um, Paris. Women were becoming overloaded, sort of, with the situation. I could well imagine there'd be so so many series of just 
how you could be a woman in the um, 19th century, I cannot understand all those dresses, perfumes, complexities, social norms, those bond dramas just pouring in. It's, it's, it's incomprehensible. No wonder you would just take a holiday from reality and not feel anything. So a hysterical woman would lose sensation in an arm and um, they would be able to heat, heat it, burn it, prick it, stuff like, and they wouldn't see anything. Yet when they did tests, there was no explanation except the power of the mind. Which is really interesting that at the end of this, um, if you think of the mind as, as a software system, you can actually boot up an operating system, which is pretty, pretty amazing. And uh, I, I know from rehab uh, that you can have a positive attitude and actually select how your brain is going to... Um, uh, grow and adapt so you can say oh, I've got to work on memory and stuff and you can actually really work on memory and you can say oh well I don't have the capacity to deal with other people's negative thoughts I think I will develop elsewhere I'll develop a completely insanely new system of just going forward it's sort of a bit like a um, a military system where um, your um, your positions have been overrun, and there's just fragments of people, you know, old soldiers and pits from places like that, and you've got to regroup and have a plan. And um, there's only so much ammunition, so much you have to execute a plan, regardless of knowing what you've got to do. So let's look at. Uh, continue reading from here. Classification, I, f forgive me if I've read this before. Um, classification, the word is also used to distinguish a condition considered a disorder of the mind as opposed to neurosis, which was considered a disorder of the nervous system. Psychosis thus became the modern equivalent of the own notion of madness. So when the women of book say, you're reactions do not meet our expectations you are mad you are psychotic that's what they're really trying to say and hence it was much debated whether uh, there was one unitary or many forms of the new disease one type of broad uses would later be narrowed down by Koch in 1891 the psychopathic inferiorities later renamed abnormal personalities by Schneider and there's I think a um, uh, something, something fly, white fly for, uh, something cool fly for a white guy, uh, I've forgotten the name of it, but uh, for uh, all his um, positive attitudes, the ones that, his, his positive attributes, the others that he didn't have, he made up in denial, it's just sort of like that, that, that Beautiful. I've forgotten the name of that song. I would keep on doing it. Ah, oh, so hard. Pretty boy for a white fly, I think it was, or pretty, pretty something rather for a white guy. Or pretty fly in brackets for a white fly. And there's just a single lyric in there, which is just for all his 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 his, his good attributes, things he didn't have, he made up in denial. This is a beautiful thing. The division of the major psychosis into manic depressive illness, now called bipolar disorder, dementia, 
uh, Paracox, now called Schizophrenia, uh, was made by Emil, uh, Emil uh, Karapalim, who attempted to create a synthesis of the various mental disorders identified in the 19th century psychiatrists. By grouping the diseases together based on classifications of common symptoms, Scrapplin used the term manic depressive insanity to describe the whole spectrum of mood disorders in a far wider sense than we usually use today. Incredible, you can imagine just, just a multi-layer stuffed society. It's, 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 but from the stuffed society you had these great artworks coming out like the Romantic Painters and um, Victor Hugo. It's amazing how you sort of post, post the um, brain stuff. I see it again and I see a whole new series of layers I didn't see when you first get it up. It's sort of, sort of strange. Okay. Um, uh, Kreplin used, okay, the term manic depressive insanity to describe a whole spectrum of mood disorders in a far wider sense than we do today. In Kreplin's classification, this would include unipolar clinical depression as well as a bipolar disorder in which the mood disorders such as uh, cyclothymia were characterized by problems of mood control. Uh, and the psychotic episodes appeared associated with disturbance of mood in patients often have periods of normal functioning between psychotic episodes without medication. Schizophrenia is characterized by psychotic episodes that appear unrelated to disturbances in mood. The most common medication patients show sign of disturbance between psychotic episodes. Yeah, so what is it? Do you actually descend into madness when you go to sleep? Is someone who sleeps? Yeah, that's an amazing thing. Okay, treatment. Early civilizations considered madness a supernaturally inflicted phenomenon. Archaeologists have unearthed skulls uh, with clearly visible drillings, some dated back to um, uh, 500 BC, suggesting that trepanning was common treatment for psychosis in ancient times. So we cut out a little circle. Amazing. Written records of supernatural causes and resultant treatments can be tracked back to the New Testament. Mark describes a man displaying what could be today described as um, psychotic symptoms. Christ cured this demonic madness by casting out the demons and hurling them into a herd of swine. Absolutely. But the swine were pretty... <laughs> thanks, thanks, Christ. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but th there is this idea of a mood as a physical object that you can draw out. The, the idea, I sort of love the idea of spirits because you've, you've got the abstract and that people can't really handle the abstract so they create a, um, a concrete, almost version of it. And it is also interesting that um, when people work away from it, the actual reality has the abstract really built into it. So um, uh, the actual reality we deal with is full of complex numbers, full of S2 symmetries, which we can't, which the average teacher denies. What they, what they can't teach, they make up in denial. They deny that it's there. Exorcism is still um, utilized in some religious circles as a treatment 
for psychosis presumed to be dynamic, uh, dynamic uh, possession. It's interesting uh, stories, inside stories from uh, the religious orders from the 60s. They would, um, whereas normally under their care, they would, um, so students under their care, they would give off to a psychologist. But if you were in the religious order and you had the same set of symptoms, you would be put in a, a shower and hosed down and, until you until you calm, calm down. It was, it's interesting, interesting some of those uh, uh, stories coming up. There's the, also the uh, um, Brazilian religion of um, something rather full of possessions. It's, it's the entire thing. A research study of outpatients in a psychiatric clinic um, also found um, that 30% of religious patients attributed the cause of the psychiatric symptoms to evil spirits, which is not such a bad thing. If you have a highly complex, evolved, untested thing full of priests, which are, um, are psychologists, and that's too, that's too expensive, and you don't understand it, perhaps it's actually better to believe in religion. Many of these patients underwent exorcist, uh, exorcist healing rituals that, though largely regarded as positive experience by the patients, had no effect on the symptomology. Why not? It's sort of like like wine tours of the Hunter Valley. It actually doesn't really educate everybody. It doesn't develop or, like thing, but the people who go on the the um, tours are flattered that they're worth it, that for some reason the people in the white cellars care about them. It's pretty amazing. And a lot of people who go to treatment nowadays, the treatment, if you say, hang on, let's look at this particular treatment, you know, counselling area, hang on, does this actually work? No. But it's a win-win situation. The counsellors get money and the people believe that they've benefited, even though there's no cause for it. Results did, however, show a significant worsening of psychotic symptoms associated with exclusions of medical treatments or coercive forms of exorcism. Well, I don't know whether... I hate that type of thing. Studies show it's sort of like a, a one of these table, you know, these um, checkout magazines. The medical teachings of the 4th century philosopher Hippocrates of Cos, Hippocrates of Cos, proposed a natural rather than supernatural cause of human illness. Hippocrates' work, the Hippocrates Corpus, a holistic explanation of health and disease, was developed to include madness and other diseases of the mind. Hippocrates writes, quote, this, remember, this may not be an accurate quote because it's from the 4th, 4th century BC, but they may, he may have actually Besides nothing else going through, this might be the one set, one paragraph which has gone through from that theory. Men ought to know that the brain, and from the brain only, arises our pleasures, joys, laughters, jests, as well as our sorrows, pains, griefs, and tears. Through it, in particular, we think, uh, see, hear, and distinguish the ugly from the beautiful, the bad from the good, the pleasant from the unpleasant. It is the same thing which makes us mad or delirious, inspires us with dread or fear, whether 
by night or by day, bringing sleeplessness, inopportune mistakes, aimless anxieties, absent-mindedness, and acts that are contrary to habit. Uh, well, this has got a reference to it. My only problem is that I think they believed that was the heart. That, that if you actually, or oh, it was Gallon, so Gallon believed that it was the heart. Hippocrates exposed the theory that uh, humorism, wherein disease was a result of the shift in balanced body fluids, including blood, phlegm, black bile, and yellow bile. According to humorists, such fluid or humours uh, was temperamental of behaviour correlates. That's getting a bit closer to it. In cases of psychosis, symptoms are thought to have been caused by excess both blood and yellow bile. Thus, the proposed surgical intervention of psychotic and manic behaviour was bloodletting. Mm. Oh, that's pretty amazing. It's, it's interesting that um, George Washington killed himself by bleeding himself. It's pretty amazing. The 18th century physician, educator, widely considered the founder of American psychiatry, is Benjamin Rush also prescribed bloodletting as the first line of treatment of psychosis. Although not a proponent of uh, humorism, Rush believed the act of purging of bloodletting was effective correction for disruptions in the circulatory system, a complication he believed as the primary cause of insanity. Although it's Rush's treatment modalities are now considered antiquated and brutish, his contributions to psychiatry, namely the biological underpinnings of psychiatric phenomena, include psychosis have been invaluable to the field. In honour of such uh, contributions, Benjamin Rush's image is the official seal of the American Psychiatric Association. And this is, this would get me, say if you had the um, time to say, see that person's face, that you're going into one of these US institutions, perhaps, I always imagine being hauled off no matter what it is, it's the 1960s. The America is forever um, in that 1963 Dallas shooting, and everything in America is of that style. The the, sh the Bobby shots, um, Bobby socks, the 50s shirts, the rock and roll, and stuff like that. But you can imagine being going off and saying, "Look, that person there on your seal." promoted bloodletting and of course they would say Abs fill them up with more drugs so he doesn't say it to us. In the early 20th century treatments of severe persisting psychosis were characterized by an emphasis on shocking the nervous system. Such therapies include insulin shock therapy, cartosoidal shock therapy, electroconvulsive therapy. Despite little rush, shock therapy was considered highly efficient in treatments of psychosis including schizophrenia. The acceptance of high-risk treatments led to more invasive medical interventions, including psychosurgery, which is, I think, the lobotomies. What I'd like is the um, the person who um, was lobotomy, who is the main lobotomy person. There did thousands of lobotomies in the U.S. He went to one lecture about baboons and how baboons are much better off with a lobotomy. I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy, which is, is rather good. The, the thing is that he went off and they said, hang on, these baboons have gone worse. We, 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 this is our preliminary findings, but let, and 
was like this genie out of the bottle. The Americans were lobotomizing each other. Just so great. In 1888, the Swiss psychiatrist Gottlieb Burkhardt performed the first medical sanctioned psychosurgery in which the cerebral cortex was excised. Although some patients showed improvements of symptoms and became more subdued, one patient died and several developed asphasia or seizure disorders. Burkhardt would go on to publish his clinical outcomes in a scholarly paper. Reading from this era, papers there are these beautiful papers uh, so some libraries some university libraries like um, uh, Toronto Library they have journals going back and you just open them as a thing and here's this beautiful German thing about how I electrocuted rats and where I electrocuted them the hair was removed these these enormously f funny stories really um, this procedure was met with criticism from the medical community, and his academic and surgical endeavors were largely ignored. In the late uh, 1930s, Eggers Mons was, uh, conceived uh, leukemia, aka prefrontal lobotomy. <laughs> That's, I think he's the man, uh, in which the fibers connecting the frontal lobes and the rest of the brain were severed. Mons' primary inspiration stemmed from a demonstration of neuroscientist John Fulton Carl in the 1930s. Five experiment in which two chimpanzees that's it we're given that's that's the one so he's the man that i remember mons after i read about him uh, we're given a, a, a pre and post surgical behavior was compared prior to economy the chimps engaged in typical behavior including throwing feces and fighting <laughs> i don't know after the procedure both chimps were pacified in this violence. However, what happened is that then they found a short while after they became even more violent. During a Q&A, Mons asked if such procedure could be extended to human subjects, a question that Fulton admitted was quite startling. Mons would go on to extend the controversial practice of human suffering from various psychotic disorders, an endeavour which received the Nobel Prize in 1949. Oh, that's best. Between the late 1930s and early 70s, lobotomies, lutotomy uh, uh, was widely accepted practice, often performed on non-sterile environments such as small outpatient clinics and patients' homes. Psychosurgery remained a standard practice until the discovery of antipsychotics pharmacologists in the 1950s. I would, would say um, that in some cases, if you didn't have, ethically, if you didn't have something and the person was going to kill themselves. Yeah, I don't know. The first clinical trial of antipsychotics, also commonly known as neuroleptics, for treatment of psychosis, placed, took place in 1952. Chloropromazine, brand name Thorazine, passed the clinical trials and became the first antipsychotic medication approved for treatment of both acute chronic psychosis. Although the mechanism of action was not discovered until 1963, the administration of chloropazamine marked the advent of dopamine antagonists, or the first generation of antipsychotic. While clinical trials showed high response rate for both acute psychosis and disorders of psychotic features, the side effects were particularly harsh, which included high rates of irreversible Parkinsonian symptoms such as tardive dyskinesia. Um, what used to be in the um, 
I don't know how they did it, but in the um, in the army, uh, you'd have these pretty uneducated corporals. This is when you were a private, going around saying, "Are you an?" And they'd list a psychotic drug. I think one was Mandrax or something like that. So you and how's this going? Because you are bloody slow. They would say other words. With the event uh, of um, of atypical antipsychotics, also known as second generation antipsychotics, came dopamine antagonists with comparable response rate, but far different. Uh, though still extensive side effect profile, which include lower risk of Parkinson symptoms but higher risk of cardiovascular disease. Atypical antipsychotics remain the first line treatment of psychosis associated with various psychiatric and neurological disorders, including schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, major depressive disorder, anxiety disorder, dementia, and some autism spectrum disorders. Could you actually make me a better person by feeding me antipsychotics? Could you actually make me more normal? You give me a frontal bottom and stuff like that. Um, it was now known that dopamine was one of the primary neurotransmitters implicated in the psychotic symptomology. Thus, blocking dopamine receptors, namely dopamine D2 receptors, and decreasing the dopaminogenic activity continues to be an effective but highly un refined pharmacological goal of antipsychotics. Recent pharmacological research suggests that the decrease in dopaminogenic activity does not eradicate psychotic delusions or hallucinations, but rather attenuates the reward mechanisms involved in the development of delusional thinking, which I actually think um, falling in love is obviously a delusion is it's a delusion with a reward mechanism in it. Um, um, that is connecting the finding of meaningful relationships between unrelated stimuli or ideas. The author, <laughs> the author of this research paper, acknowledges the importance of future investigations. Here's a quote. The model presented here is based on incomplete knowledge related to dopamine, schizophrenia, and antipsychotics and as such will need to be evolved as more is known about these. The problem is that um, this is where I, I think this is biased veneration of someone who you've paid a lot of money for. If they say something stupid, it's profound, but if the cleaner says it, just get out, just, just stick to your business of cleaning up. Freud's former student, Wilhelm Reich, explored independent insights into physical effects of neurotic and traumatic upbringing, published his holistic psychoanalytic treatment with schizophrenia. With this incorporation into the breath work and insight with the patient, a young woman, she achieved successful self-management skills during therapy, which I would rather say that if it's all like putting if you're a Datsun part and you've been put into a Mercedes Benz, you're just not gonna go, you've just got to work work that major major thing out. I just think people psychosis is asleep, dreaming, falling in love are all forms of psychosis. It's just managing those correctly and actually understanding um, that they're having a bit of a 
distance from it, which is sort of like a post analytical view. So you can you can it's almost three classes. There's the the punters who just come around and present these symptoms. You've got the medical profession, which has got this own sort of quality control system, the literature quality control system and the professional quality control system. Or there is this life experience quality control system where you can say, oh, if I do positive activities, have positive thoughts, it's going to go across. It's, it's unlike this scripted program. Um, like if you write a, a computer program, that's the way it operates. But with people, if you say something again, it, it, it changes the operation of it. Okay, the last section here before we get on to the um, references, which I won't read you. Uh, society. Psychiatrist David Healy has criticised pharmaceutical companies for promoting simplified biological theories of mental illness that seem to imply primary primacy of pharmaceutical uh, treatments while ignoring social and development factors such are known as important influences in the aortology of psychosis. That's pretty much what I was trying to say in terms of that you've got these three groups, the, the patient groups, the treater group, and there's not this third group, same, but you, I suppose there's this religious group, which is, you know, their the sort of psychology is muscling in on religion, but there's this other group of same this sort of advanced sort of science science group saying well looking at it um, the it's doing a problem or or thinking a series of thoughts primes me up to the next thing it's, so it's not so I'm gathering more knowledge I'm sort of gathering more or sort of being able to I suppose painting with colors but you you you, you slowly build up a structure of a problem. It's the way that people think, collectively, collectively think. And uh, there is this problem of people who, drug companies who want to make money by selling drugs, therapy groups who want to make money by selling therapy. It's, it's this very hard situation. People who want to be left alone because that's what they like, do, being left alone. And it's hard to pick out what is the best case um, in doing it is some people have basically this ethical view that I can dream up an ethical situation to justify a sort of universal ethic ethics group so I have someone who is clearly got some sort of disease and 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 it's clearly beneficial in that case that they take drugs Prozac or, or Retilin or whatever you like, go, go. it's okay like that. I've pathologized it, I, I have not thought of a mechanism, but in this case, it's the best way to do it. They have sort of thought at a certain level not to be able to step back and say, Well, no, we won't do that in general. Majority of people will just, you know, they've, they've got now a 80 year lifespan they can stuff up for the first 60 <laughs> and let's have fun in the last 80 the last 20 thanks a lot for listening
podcast, another story comes to a close. It's been a pleasure sharing this moment in time with you. May you discover truly amazing things, understand them and tell others. Thanks for listening.